What is going on, everyone? Welcome back into the podcast. If you're out there listening, I hope you are doing wonderful and, as always, hanging in there. I am definitely hanging in there. I had to take the last, like, two weeks off from the podcast. I was, I wouldn't say I was getting burnt out, but the podcast was kind of taking over my life a little bit to the point where I had to take a step back and be like, whoa, what is going on here? And just take a break because I really don't want to get burnt out on this and I don't want to get tired of it because I love doing this. Like it is, it's my passion project for a reason. I love to talk about things that I am passionate about, things that I think are fucking cool. And for like the last like one or two weeks uh, prior to my little break, I was just kind of like... I don't really feel like doing it. I don't know what to talk about. And I think a lot of that has to do with me getting into my own head as well. But you know what? A break is good sometimes. And I'm back. I'm here. I am ready to deliver. I am ready to produce some of probably my favorite best episodes yet. And I know I'm going to always say that because I always want to keep topping what I put out. You just, you always want to better, like, yourself and things that, that you do. And yeah, like, I, I just want to grow. I want to grow and I am very inspired now. And like I said, I am fucking back, okay? This month has been pretty eventful. It's been a busy month. And I feel like the rest of this year is just going to get busier, Beginning of this month, we had the release of Scream 6, which was amazing. I had a ton of fun at the premiere. Went with some friends, had some drinks prior, some dinner. And then we just, we watched Scream 6. And oh my God, it was so fucking awesome to just see the reactions from some of my friends, like on the edge of their fucking seats, literally. The anxiety, it was it was a ton of fun. Like I had a blast. And oh my gosh, okay, the nerd is going to come out of me right now. I'm going to try to contain it, but I just purchased my very first ghost face film replica robe from Scream Robes on Instagram. And when I tell you that their work is just absolute perfection, they get every detail from every film. You have a choice to order from... Scream, Scream 2, Scream 3, Scream 4, Scream 5, and I believe that they are going to start working on the Scream 6 robe. I chose Scream 5 just because I 
I love the the length of the arm drapes and it just looks so gritty and just so badass. I was going to get the Scream 2 robe, however, I I think that's that's the most glittery looking sparkly one and I love the fucking sparkle fabric. It is beautiful, but I'm waiting for that. Super stoked on on that and I just I can't wait to live my full on ghost face cosplay dream. And I don't care that I'm in my 30s and wanting to dress up, okay? Like I could be doing a ton of other like things that are 10 times worse, okay? Let me live my life how I want to live it to each their own. I also went down to LA to see Maggie Lindemann on her Sucker Punch tour, and that show was fucking phenomenal as well. I had a ton of fun. It was a fucking blast. And she's kind of like an Avril Lavigne pop punk rock artist. I, In my opinion, I think she's doing it a little bit better than, than Avril ever could. No, I'm not shitting on her legacy, but... Avril's not really doing it anymore. Her new album, I just, I, I wasn't really a fan of it. The, the, the gay rocker inside of me was not a fan. I'm so sorry, but I just, I, 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 yeah, I, it wasn't for me. But I saw the the Maggie Lindemann show, and it was that was fucking great. It was so much fun. She brought out Sig Brain as a as a special guest, and I was living my little emo boy dream. Can I do have to say though? I, I, I'm not a fan of LA. I, I don't understand the appeal of it. It's just, I always get a sense of coldness and, 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 and darkness. And it's just, I just, I don't, that's probably number one on my, on my least favorite places to visit. It just, the traffic, it, it takes you 45 minutes to, to move five miles somewhere. Like, as it is, I am already a high anxiety, high stress person. I worry about everything. So the fact that I'm worried about if I'm going to make it to my dinner reservations or make it to anything, it's it's just, it's too much for me. So I think I'm going to kind of steer clear of LA unless I absolutely have to go there. But I just, I don't understand like why people want to go into debt and work three jobs just to be miserable and just to be able to say that they have this item or that they drive this or that they live here and funny story is on on the way there i was listening to one of my favorite podcasts and with a podcast that is one of the inspirations for this podcast and that is Talk Scary to Me with Scout Compton and Daniel Harris. Daniel Harris was talking about how she moved out of LA to Austin, Texas, and that she was there. And everyone just seems fucking angry in Los Angeles and she doesn't get it. And I was like, you know what? She's so fucking right. Like it 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 doesn't make any sense to to just wanna live an unhappy, angry life just so you can be able to buy things and and say that you live here that you live in this spot that you see these people when you go out to dinner like it, it's it's just it's not really worth all of that just to just to say these things and and for what for who like who are we always trying to impress like no one really gives a fuck at the end of the day no one fucking cares so just live 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 a little street rat life like me and, and be somewhat happy. 
But all jokes aside, you guys, I have a really good show in store for you. So wherever you are, if you're driving, if you are at home, sit back, relax, and let's go ahead and dive into today's topics. Alison Botha was born on September 22, 1967, in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. She had a fairly normal childhood until the age of 10 when Alison's parents divorced. She would then continue to spend most of her childhood living with her mother and brother. After finishing high school, Alison would spend her next few years enjoying new experiences, traveling, and working as an insurance broker, which she enjoyed very much. In December of 1994, Allison would go on about her day, spending time at a beach with her friends, then moving the festivities to her apartment for pizza and games. After most of Allison's friends left, she drove her last friend home. Once returning to her apartment parking lot, she reached toward the passenger seat to grab a bag of clean laundry she had to take inside. As she reached, the driver's side door opened abruptly. A man with a knife had opened the driver's door. Move over or I'll kill you, he stated. In shock and complete terror, Allison did as she was told. The man turned the vehicle back on and drove away quickly. I don't want to hurt you. I just want to use your car for an hour. The man identified himself to Allison as Clinton. This, however, was only an alias. Franz Dutois was revealed to be the real name of the man with the knife. Franz would take Allison to another part of Port Elizabeth to pick up a friend, Thunes Kruger. Once Thunes joined, the men then took Allison to a secluded area just outside of the city. Sitting cold, frozen, in complete fear, disbelief, and shock, Allison could understand that something seriously horrible was about to happen to her. The men told Allison they planned to have sex with her, asking if she would put up a fight. She declined. Knowing at this point she really didn't have a chance, she was trapped, she was terrified. Unknown to her, the two men had a long history of violence against women. Soon enough, both men raped her. The assault continued with the men trying to suffocate Allison. As she lost consciousness briefly, Allison was clinging on to life. The men grew more angry. They grew more frustrated. They would end up stabbing Allison 30 times in the abdomen, specifically wanting to mutilate her reproductive organs. The attackers missed those specific parts of her body. Allison's leg twitched, leading to Franz and Thunes to slit Allison's throat 16 times. All Allison could see was an arm moving over her face from left to right, over and over. All she could hear was a wet sound, the sound of her flesh being slashed open. Allison's mind struggled to make sense of what was happening to her. She felt it wasn't real, a dream. She didn't feel pain, but this was real. As the attackers finally stepped back, Allison could hear them admiring their work and speaking in a West Germanic language. Do you think she's dead? 
one of the attackers asked. No, no one could survive that, the other responded. Showing a sense of satisfaction at what they had done, the attackers drove away. What they didn't know, what they failed to see, Alison Botha was still breathing. Alison Botha was still alive. Lying alone, cold and sticky, with blood atop sand and broken glass, Allison knew she had to leave a clue. A clue to somehow point authorities in the right direction. A clue that could hold those responsible for this accountable. Carving the names of her attackers in the sand, she also would write, I love mom. She was now ready to succumb to her terrible wounds. As she lay in the darkness, light could be seen coming toward her. Allison realized, she may have a shot at survival. She wasn't crossing over. Headlights from a car were approaching from a distance. She could see them through some bushes. She had to somehow get herself out there, get herself to the road. As she built up enough strength to pick herself up so she can begin to make her way toward the lights, she would realize the severity of her injuries. Pulling herself up, her head began to fall backward. Since she had nearly been decapitated, she could also feel something slimy dangling from her abdomen, her intestines. She had to use one hand to keep her organs from spilling out and the other to hold on to her own head. Allison recalled, As I struggled forward, my sight faded in and out, and I fell many times, but managed to get up again until I finally reached the road. She collapsed along the white line. In her disoriented state, she knew that this was the best position to attract the attention of an oncoming vehicle. Not long after, a young veterinary student was visiting Port Elizabeth on vacation. He found Allison lying in the middle of the road and stopped. Using his veterinary training, he tucked Allison's exposed thyroid back inside her body, then called the emergency services for help. Allison Botha was rushed to the hospital hospital where doctors were in complete shock at the sight of Allison's body. She was on the brink of death, managing to pull through, remembering everything about her attackers. She was soon able to identify them from police photos while she was still in the hospital. This led to the arrest of the Ripper rapists. The subsequent Nordhoek Ripper trial captured the attention of South Africans everywhere. Both Dutois and Kruger pled guilty to eight charges, which included kidnapping, rape, and attempted murder. They were both found guilty and sentenced to life in prison in August 1995. Although her flesh wounds would heal, Allison still suffered from physical and emotional scars from the ordeal. In order to fully find peace, she decided that she had to face what had happened to her head-on. Allison began traveling around the world sharing her story in 35 countries. She is considered one of the first women from South Africa to speak openly and honestly about rape. In both her home country and abroad, her story inspired other survivors to come forward and share their stories. In 1995, Allison won the prestigious Rotarian Paul Harris Award for Courage Beyond the Norm and Femina Magazine's Women of Courage Award. She was also honored as Port Elizabeth Citizen of the Year. 
She has written two books, and in 2016, her survival story was brought to life in the film titled Allison. She's still considered one of the most inspiring motivational speakers in the world, but for Allison, the greatest reward of all has been the birth of her two sons. Closing out this story, I want to end it with a quote from Allison. Life can sometimes make us feel like the victim. Problems and hardships and traumas are dished out to all of us, and sometimes they can be divided very unfairly. Remind yourself that you do not have to take responsibility for what others do. Life is not a collection of what happens to you, but of how you've responded to what has happened to you. The Sierra Nevada Mountains, California, 1971. Al Berry, a reporter who was a skeptic investigating the famous Bigfoot phenomena, was setting up camp for the night with his friend Ron Moorhead, somewhere between Lake Tahoe and Yosemite National Park. One night, they were woken up by some extremely bizarre sounds, what would be described as cries. Al Berry would go on to describe the night in his own words. He would state, As dusk became dark night, something approached camp from a ridge above, rapping on wood or rocks as it came. And when it arrived, two voices that I could discern, it vocalized, and the sounds carried through the trees as I have never heard human voices carry ever before or since. And it whistled, a clear, beautiful whistle, like a bird might make, between its kind, and at one point, back and forth with us. I was able to get reasonably good tape recordings of the sounds and interaction, and we cast several of the foot impressions, both in pine, mat, and snow. I looked high and low for evidence of the joke, including searching the other's belongings while they were away hunting. I wasn't a novice investigator of facts, but I came home stumped, basically with nothing to write about until the story unraveled by itself, or I helped in with further research and investigation.
The unsettling audio has become known as the samurai sounds. This could be due to the creepy resemblance to the eloquent style preferred in old samurai films. With experts having studied the strange audio, many claim that a basic human vocal cord could not produce noises of that nature. Retired cryptolinguist Scott Nelson, formerly an occupant of the Navy, stated in the Hastings Tribune that when he came across the recording, his whole world changed. It took him out of his paradigm making him more confident and sure that these sounds represent an intelligent language, an intelligent language spoken by a family of intelligent humanoid beings. Could these sounds have been produced by a family of Sasquatch, produced in a recording studio, clipped from a film, or could there be a secret group of samurai? Born in Hudson, Ohio, Christine Chubuck attended Laurel School for Girls, where she formed a dateless wonder club for the girls who were known as rejects and never had a date on Saturday nights. Christine attended Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, majoring in theater arts. She would then attend Endicott College in Beverly, Massachusetts, before finally earning a degree in broadcasting at Boston University. Christine joined ABC affiliate WXLT-TV, which today is known as WWSB. She was a part of the traffic department of WTOG in St. Petersburg, Florida. She moved into her family's Siesta Key summer cottage, where she painted one of the bedrooms to resemble that of a teenager's room with a canopied bed. Soon after her parents' divorce, Christine's mother Peg and youngest brother Greg would move into the home with her. Christine described her mother and younger brother as her best friends, having a really tight bond with the two. Being hired as a reporter, Christine was prompted and given a community affairs talk show by WXLT's owner, Bob Nelson. The show, Suncoast Digest, would feature local people and local activities and ran during the 9 a.m. spot. It seemed like all was going well for Christine, but what wasn't apparent were her suicidal tendencies and struggle with depression. Does true crime make you cringe with satisfaction? Does having a space to openly discuss sex entice you? What about horror films and paranormal encounters? Maybe a little laugh to start your day? Listen in every Tuesday where I, Ralph Anthony, share my thoughts and input on all things true crime, sex, horror, LGBTQ plus topics, and paranormal. Now with more horror and sex. With listeners submitted questions, 911 calls, and the very spicy listeners submitted hookup horror stories. Scream Queer Podcast. Available on most podcasting platforms. Scream Queer Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday. Listener discretion is advised.
Christine had shared her struggles in detail with her family. In 1970, she had attempted and failed to overdose on drugs, and she constantly would discuss the incident. She would visit a psychiatrist, but eventually stopped the treatment. Her mother, Peg, did not share any of this information with her WXL team management. She feared any mention of her daughter's struggles would cost her her position at the station. Christine was growing more and more anxious, depressed, and unstable as her 30th birthday approached. Her lack of intimacy and being a virgin at 30 was the driving force of her mental state. She had only ever been on two dates with the man. She also had a crush on a co-worker and pursued him by baking him a cake for his birthday, only to find out he was already involved with another co-worker. Christine's co-workers described her as having very low self-esteem. She would always talk down on herself, criticizing her looks and calling herself names. She would cringe when complimented and rejected them often. Christine had to undergo surgery where her right ovary was removed. The doctor had given Christine a timeline stating that if she did not become pregnant within two to three years, she would never have a chance to conceive. One day, during a conversation with the night news editor, Rob Smith, Christine mentioned she purchased a gun. She joked with Rob that she would now kill herself on air. Rob did not find this humor funny, but rather sick, and changed the subject abruptly, unaware that behind that joke was the truth. July 15, 1974, Christine walked into the news station. She threw co-workers and producers a curveball, stating she had to read a newscast to open her show, Suncoast Digest. This was something that had never been done before, confusing everyone. A guest that was scheduled to appear on air with Christine had to wait across the studio. The first eight minutes, Christine covered three national news stories, followed by a shooting that had taken place the previous day at a local restaurant. A film reel of the incident was supposed to play after. However, it did not play. The reel was jammed. Christine showed no reaction and disregarded the error. Then she continued. In keeping with the WXLT practice of presenting the most immediate and complete reports of local blood and guts news, TV40 presents what is believed to be a television first, in living color, an exclusive coverage of an attempted suicide. Christine pulled out a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson Model 36 revolver and shot herself behind her right ear. She fell forward violently while the technical director faded the broadcast immediately to black. The following is a brief audio clip from that broadcast. Due to the graphic nature of this audio, listener discretion is advised. <laughs> Viewers immediately called 911 and the station asking if this was staged 
or a hoax. News director Mike Simmons had found the papers Christine had been reading from during her newscast. It had a complete script of her segment plus the shooting, while also a portion meant to be read by whoever would take over the broadcast after her incident. Her script called for her condition to be listed as critical. Christine was cremated. Her funeral ceremony took place on the beach, where her ashes were spread into the Gulf of Mexico. 120 people attended her services, including local officials who had been guests on her show. Minister Thomas Beeson gave the eulogy. In his speech, he stated, We suffer at our sense of loss. We are frightened by her rage. We are guilty in the face of her rejection. We are hurt by her choice of isolation, and we are confused by her message. If you or anyone you know is having suicidal thoughts, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by calling or texting 988. Help is available and help is available 24-7. Hello Scream Queer Podcast. How have you been? Not a general question, but a genuine question. After listening to the 10 Journal Entries episode, I am genuinely asking. Thank you so much for checking in. I have been doing a lot better, actually. I, I, I think that me creating that episode, as I said during that episode, I wasn't really doing it for people to feel sorry for me or to to be like oh my gosh poor baby but my intention was to really just get it out there that there are people really going through these emotions there are people who feel this way on a daily basis most importantly we can be kinder to ourselves it was almost therapeutic doing that episode just to read those journal entries and let all of that out and I got a lot of positive feedback and especially from other people who have gone through similar or even the exact same experiences but I am doing I'm I'm doing okay. I still have my moments where I'm like just just feeling down and I'm just a very emotional person and a very a very sensitive person but i am getting through life and i'm doing the best that i can but i really appreciate this question and i really appreciate you for checking in and asking what is your stance on hookup culture in our lgbtq plus community hookup culture i don't really have anything against it i if you are for that life 
go for it. Live your best life. If you're sex positive, go for it. Uh, I do have to admit, I am I am teaching myself how to speak more more appropriately in of that whole culture i know growing up we are all familiar with the terms either hoe or whore or slut and just calling someone by those names is just so degrading and it just devalues a person and I, I think the, the route to go is sex positive. And I've mentioned this in my earlier episodes that I am all for just living your, your best life however you want to live it, just being careful. And to all the, all the sex workers out there making that money off of it, good for you. I, I definitely don't have a, a, a stance on it. I, all I can speak for myself is uh, it's not for me. It, it, it's definitely not for me. I'm a very shy person. I am a very high anxiety person. I'm a very emotional person. And I, I yeah, it just, my stance on it is just if you're doing it, keep doing it. And if it's not for you, then, then it's not for you. Do you believe the deja vu experience is your brain remembering your past life? This is a good fucking question. I do believe that, honestly, because, or like not, not, not necessarily just a past life, but I, I think also possibly like a parallel universe. But I mean, why else? This happens so much. This happens so fucking much to me. And, and like, I, 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 I don't like, I want to understand what is behind like, like, why do we get, it feels like a vision almost like something that has happened and like a few days weeks months later like it happens again and then when you're in that moment you can't remember exactly when it happened prior but you've seen it before and it seems so familiar and things that are said it it honestly happens like exactly how you remember it like a movie almost but i do believe in in past lives and i do believe that when we all pass away and die that we are reincarnated somehow in some way or we just move on to the next universe because at the end of the day our bodies are just vessels and when we die the energy because we are energy and when the energy leaves it has to go somewhere so where the fuck does it go to another world to another living organism like there, there's so many questions, so many questions, but I do believe that deja vu could be, could be from some sort of past life or parallel universe. That that is the, that's a whole episode all on its own, and I can promise you that I will do an episode on that with more in depth research. Like it's pretty fucking fascinating to me, just the whole past life deja vu phenomenon like i i need to know more so stay tuned i will probably be doing an episode on that very soon as a horror fan what are your thoughts and opinions on prequels i hate them (laughs) i i'm sorry i i don't i don't like prequels 
If they wanted to tell that story from the beginning, then they should have told that story from the beginning. Prequels, to me, are just cash grabs. But other than that, you guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up right there. I love you all so fucking much. So fucking much. Thank you so much for listening, for engaging, for hyping me up, just being amazing. I love you screamers so much. And shout out to Spotify for Podcasters for being my very first official sponsor ever. I was so stoked when I got the email saying that I could do this. And I've always used this this platform to produce and put out my episodes I know in the beginning it was a little bit clunky and chunky, but you know what? I'm here now, and I feel like I'm going to keep making the show better for you guys. So just a quick little shout-out to Spotify for Podcasters, and a bigger shout-out to all of you guys who listen to me on a daily basis. And I really love the engagement. I love when you guys text me about certain things I talk about in an episode. I love when you guys send me ideas. I just fucking love it all. So on that note, until next episode, I will talk to you guys next time. Bye. questions to screamqueercast at gmail.com or by submitting them to the instagram at screamqueerpodcasts and catch new episodes every tuesday morning wherever podcasts are streamed remember to rate and subscribe The views discussed and expressed on this episode's cases and stories are of those involved and not of the Scream Queer podcast.